The biggest advice really I can give um, and the best, the, the lesson that I learned that number one, I'm not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I can't really uh, change my husband. I need God for that. And um, he, he of course can be, God can do anything. He doesn't necessarily have to be a Christian in order for God to move him towards himself. You're listening to Altered Stories with Michelle Renee Gutch. Hello, friends, and welcome to my Altered Stories show, episode 37, Karen's God's Great Reconciliation God Story. For those of you that don't know me, this is Michelle. Saunders Gutch, your God storytelling host and founder of Altered Stories Ministry. And I am delighted that you're here watching Karen and I today as we are going to share some wonderful, uh, wonderful things that God has done in her life in a transformative way and in her marriage. Just a few things. Altered Stories Ministry is a nonprofit that helps Christian women share their God stories so women around the world can hear them. We are so blessed right now to be in over 16 countries across the world. Today's interview is um, actually being recorded and we are hosting this on Facebook Live uh, via Zoom. Of course, we will uh, take what is shared today in this interview and put it on the podcast, and it will go out, we hope, tomorrow for those that are anxious to hear it and that can't be here today as Karen and I go through and have this conversation. Um, as Michael shared, he's with Kadosh Media. I thank him and uh, Teresa so much for all their great support. And before I actually introduce Karen Abu Sada today, just a few more other updates about uh, the Altered Story Show. We're actually um, now on the pray.com app. It is the number one prayer app in the world. So I'm so, so excited to say you can listen to our show out there on pray.com. We're also in the process um, of being able to go uh, out on the Amazon platform. So not only are we on Spotify, Google, Apple, um, we are on Stitcher, um, now pray.com, Podchaser, Podacy, and of course, Lipson. And we, of course, um, have all of the podcasts up on our website to be listened to. So now moving forward, I wanted to take this opportunity and uh, introduce Karen. She is an incredible woman. Oh my goodness. I feel incredibly blessed to have her here. Um, she and I met when I was um, over working and I still co-host uh, and, and do some uh, of my work over at Office Evolution in Overland Park. But I will tell you, Karen um, came in with her husband and I met her daughter-in-law and 
some of their staff when I was there. And I was so excited to be able to be um, part of um, getting to know them and her. And I would talk as we would go um, in the bathroom and just other places. And then we talked on the phone and we just kind of connected. Um, and of course, her family is awesome. They're incredible, talented, just all really cool people. Um, so also I can share with you that Karen um, is a Midwest gal. She is a wife, um, uh, uh, a mom to Ben, and she's a mom to Farah. She's got six grandchildren. She's a former English teacher. She's a world traveler. She's a co-founder of Seeds of Hope, which is a humanitarian organization in Gaza, Jericho, and Jerusalem. And she also is a co-founder of Hope for Ishmael. You're going to hear more about all of these um, ministries. But she spends, of recent, a lot of her time training the church to reach out to their Muslim neighbors in love through their program. And also, she'll be talking a little bit more of that. And she's also been on TV, Daystar. She's been all over the world. So it's quite an honor for her to come on our show. So with that, um, enough of me. Let's start talking, Karen. Good morning. Is there anything you'd like to share that I haven't? <laughs> yeah, I think you've covered uh, an awful lot. I was... Uh... Years ago, I was privileged also to be a speaker at, in France, in Paris, with the UN Day of the Women, Day of the Woman. So it's, it's been an exciting life, and there's no other way that it could have happened but the grace of God. So yes. he, he's our focus. He's my love of my life. <laughs> yes, and it radiate, you do radiate Jesus, and I do see that, and that's the type of stories that God gives when you, a woman has a story of um, God being glorified in her life, and that's her passion. It's just so profound and so powerful. And thank you again for blessing our listeners today on the show and also for your donation. And before we actually um, go in and, and start, you know, conversing about your story, um, your great God reconciliation story, um, I have a, just some questions that I thought might the listeners might enjoy me asking, and I also had, this is around culture. So, you know, you've, you really are versed in the Muslim culture, and you've been in Jerusalem, and Gaza, and Bethlehem, and you understand Middle Eastern culture. Um, are there some words that you could share with us, like peace, or, you know, some things that, you know, the listeners, because you are a teacher, too, and I'm sure you would love to give us a lesson, um, but some just some words that maybe we could we could learn today. Well, you know, um, in the country of uh, Israel and uh, in Palestine, um, both are uh, both countries in one in one area speak to different languages and they they interchange with each other. And uh, a lot of times when you greet someone, you will say um, um, salam on the Arabic sign, and of course, shalom, which means peace in both, salam and shalom. So um, shalom. You know, and years ago, they all would speak both languages. It would interchange before it was divided. 
now it's been so divided for so many years that uh, a lot of the Arabs don't coming up don't know the um, Hebrew, and the Hebrew speakers don't know the Arabic. So, which is a shame because they really need to know each other's languages. So, because they live together. Yes. Yes. There's another one that, uh, of course, uh, uh, Toda is uh, Hebrew for thank you or thanks, and uh, okay. And shukran for Arabic, shukran. So, or if you wanted to greet someone in the Arabic language, it, there are male, male and female, of course, expressions. So um, it would be kifik to a lady and kifuk to a, a man. So you kind of have to know the male and the female. <laughs> yeah. It's a little different. <laughs> I knew only a little bit because I'd had a little bit of a, um, uh, a lesson into it because I knew a, a an Iranian so I and he was Muslim so yes I did I didn't know his language very well it's Farsi so that's a different language altogether so wow you're educating me already I can imagine how much education you could bring to us we could probably do a whole podcast and do nothing but talk about that <laughs> in linguistics <laughs> for sure. yes yes yeah, you're really good, though. I can see, you know, how you're moving and your mouth and, you know, obviously you've lived in good. that part of, yeah. of the world, right? Yes, yes. <clears throat> yeah. So the m Muslim culture, you know, for, for a Christian, Karen, mm -hmm. what, what is significant about a Christian American to know about their neighbor or the Muslim culture that would help us better okay. relate to them uh-huh well first off you need to know that um islam is the religion and those who believe in the religion are muslims and that muslims uh can be different cultures really inside different cultures all over the world so there are muslims in india there are muslims in indonesia as a matter of fact indonesia is the most highly populated country of uh, Muslims around the world. So um, there are Muslims everywhere now. Did, it used to be they were, of course, in the Middle East and in uh, the Eastern cultures, but um, now because, uh, you know, we can get on a plane and go anywhere we want <laughs> all over the world, <laughs> they were all over the world. And because of our recent, uh, the recent refugee situation with Syria, um, they are all over the world. God has chosen to disperse them. And I, and at Hope for Ishmael, we believe it's because the church wouldn't get up and go, so he brought him here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I happen to agree with you there. So how do you how do you find that the church is receiving your program? You know this. Um, let me just show the folks here. It's Lead with Love is their workbook. Yes. And Hope for Ishmael is there, I don't know if you can see this, I'm on a virtual background, but I, you know, Karen can talk a little bit more to this, but, you know, how, how are they receiving, you know, the different churches that you're ministering to or partnering with or educating um, based on your program? Well, we uh, introduced really this program last um, uh, January. We were beginning to introduce it to the um, 
uh, churches all over the Kansas City area by calling in our pastors and uh, giving them like an hour-long lunch period <laughs> where they had lunch on us and we talked to them about it. And the reception was so great. There, the pastors and mission pastors were, wow, we have to have this and we need it <laughs> really soon. And then COVID hit, of course. And the focus, their focus, of course, went to being um, shepherds to their flock more than ever before because they didn't know how they were going to do church so it's it's kind of slid off the excitement of it has slid off a little bit so we're trying to ramp up that excitement again because there are more and more <laughs> uh, muslims in, all over this country and um the we need to reach out we need to uh put down our fears and uh learn a little bit more because you know you're only in fear because you don't know. And it, the Lord is uh, telling us to help these people over their hump of fear so that they can reach out and just be themselves. If you're a believer, more is caught than taught, really. So you don't really have to do much except really live your faith in front of them. And they'll know the difference. And this is what we did uh, for 10 years in Jericho. And um, I would like to tell you uh, the numbers that are <laughs> that we know of that are uh, believers in Jericho, but because it's so underground, we really don't know. We know of a handful, of course, because they've come to us and we've led them to the Lord. But it's very, um, again, it's very uh, iffy for them and very uh, dangerous in many cases for them to even acknowledge that they are. So uh, we just keep praying for more and more and we keep doing what we can because there's a lot of freedom in numbers, you know. You can't yes. fight a whole movement, you can't. There's no way. So yes. you get more and more. So we're praying for more and more and Lord, give us the ways to get more and more. We just, that's, that's what we're here for. And lead well, with I'm, I'm hope. Go ahead. Sorry. Reaching out to the churches in order to educate people so they can get over their hump of fear. And it's not uh, just for um, learning about Islam, it's more about learning about yourself and how you can communicate this. What are your giftings? This is what we go over. What are your giftings first? And how do you communicate in that gifting to these Muslims? And we teach you a lot about uh, Muslims and their culture. We have a wonderful young man who was actually being trained as an imam to come over here and evangelize as a Muslim in his college. And he got a hold of being inside a group of kids who were crazy about Jesus. And they had the love of Jesus in them. And it was so inviting to him that he is now a radical believer. <laughs> And so he uh, helped teach the, you know, why is uh, Muslims should come to know the Lord. So exciting. And thanks for sharing that. It's always encouraging. So, you know, this is really cool. I'm so glad that we can talk about this, Karen. And we'll talk more um, about how um, those that are interested can, you know, reach out to you and, you know, your organization and get on that train. Uh, 
being able to partner with you and learn how to lead with love with the Muslim neighbors. You know, it's interesting since you and I had that lunch, we have a Muslim neighbor that moved next to us. Oh, he's a doctor. Yeah. And so, you know, I just thought I'd share that with you. Yeah. My husband and I have already, there have already started kind of, you know, delving into your book and, you know, educating ourselves and, you know, I thought you'd want to know that because you're right there. There's a lot of them all over. So it's good. It's good to understand that cultural background. So, you know, Karen, what is the pandemic doing, the COVID-19 pandemic? How is that um, being managed across these Middle Eastern countries that you, you know, do your work with, your ministry, and how are they handling it? Well, first off, you know, uh, we came out of, of course, being there full time, but we needed to go in and out of uh, the Middle East and we haven't been able to. That's been very uh, devastating for us in many ways, especially my husband, because he can't connect with those believers on a personal level. But thank God for Zoom (laughs) and all the other communications. Um, The Middle East is really having a hard time most especially the Gaza Strip because at at first they they were actually a great uh place of refuge because they're so cut off they didn't have much but now it's beginning to come into them because others have gone out not very many because you mm-hmm. can't usually get out but uh, and come back in and uh it's as they begin to open up a little bit so it is devastating to them because there are no real good hospitals. The only time they can get real good care is if they go across the border into Israel, into um, the two cities that are closest to them, Ashkelon and um, Tel Aviv, but mainly Ashkelon. And mm. um, they can't get across the border. It's cut them off even more. And right now it's even worse because of the um, the peace deal situation and uh, Hamas is rearing its ugly head so uh, Israel has to clamp down and it's it's just a real hard time for them every morning we're on an eight o'clock prayer call and that's another thing if you go online you can sign up for that too yeah this is uh, something that um, the Middle East can really uh, they really need our prayers um, and because and it's been really hard on all of them, most especially Israel too. So, well, thank you for sharing that. So, our listeners can join you and you know in this prayer, um, you know, um, I guess prayer group or you know just join in prayer. Yes. So, well, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to share some of those things. I think it's really important that we get to know you a little bit and the listeners can kind of, you know, get a sense of your passion, your heart, where you're at. And, you know, one of the things we talked about when, you know, your, your stories, you have so many, you have a lot of God stories, but the one, one story that, you know, we wanted to, I know, get out there was 
God's great reconciliation story um, that you've experienced in the 47 years of marriage to your husband, Tess. And so can you take us back to 1974 and your marriage to Tess and kind of where, you know, that all started and where you started experiencing the rocky road, um, being married to a man um, who was a, a former Muslim who now is a Christian believer. Um, can you share that with, with our listeners? Yes, absolutely. I grew up in a, a very close-knit Catholic family. And um, I, I know that my parents, of course, prayed for us to, um, to marry. Well, it was five girls, one boy. So they, they had a lot of marriages to worry about. <laughs> and um, yes. um, I was second in the, in the line. And um, uh, at, in 1974, there weren't many. There, there wasn't a whole big knowledge about um, Islam and about Muslims here, in, but they were beginning to come because they were coming as students in the universities. And but that wasn't, and that was uh, Tass's call, calling actually, or his his um, yearning to come here was for school, and he did come for school. Uh, we met one night, and um, my sister had my sisters were wanting to celebrate my 21st birthday. They were both married and I wasn't, and they decided they needed to take me out. So they took me out. <laughs> they asked me where I wanted to go. And I suggested a club that one of my friends was working at at that night at that time. And so we thought we'd go out. So we did. So um, we were sitting there waiting, of course, for the very few guys that were there to um, actually come over and ask us for a dance or whatever. So they did, and two of my sisters did. And the funnest thing about it was Tass showed up and uh, asked me to dance. And at that time, like I said, I had already known a, um, a Muslim um, Iranian young man, and he was from the Middle East, and I thought, yeah, I've been there before. I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> I knew Tass was an Arab and I thought, no, in my head, I'm thinking, no, no, let's just don't even start this thing. So I turned him down and um, I, I could see he was a little dejected, but uh, he went, okay. So he went back to his, his table and pretty soon this place, it was early. So this place wasn't very busy. Pretty soon it came back again. And I thought, huh. And I said, no, <laughs> but he didn't let that stop him. And the, when he came the third time, I thought, oh my gosh, this guy is, you know, can't get a hint. So <laughs> what am I going to do? And I thought, well, I'll just give him, you know, give him one dance, step on his toes, do whatever I could to get rid of him. I insulted him. As a matter of fact, he had some very scruffy <laughs> looking hair in the back and he was almost bald, balding up here. And I said, why do you wear your hair that way? And he said, what do you mean? Don't you like it? And I said, no, it does not look good on you. <laughs> oh, Karen. He still didn't get the because <laughs> he wanted to dance even further. And I finally said, you know, let's just sit down and talk for a few minutes. So. He asked me over to his table and um, I, we sat there for a little bit. His friend who was with 
he said, well, let's go out here. Maybe there's a, you know, there was a door and exit. So we went out on the fire escape and all night long we talked. And he talked about his family and why he was here and, you know, a little bit about who he was. And I kept asking him questions. He did not speak very good English. As a matter of fact, I had to read between the lines. It was a good thing. The Lord gave me the gift of, <laughs> of language. Yeah. He yeah. was pretty brilliant. <laughs> So it, it took a long time to really understand what he was trying to tell me. So, and I had to keep asking him questions because he didn't want to talk English. And uh, so we did, I got a little bit of information out of him by the time the night was over, he walked me to the car and I thought, okay, he's going to want something. He asked me, he wanted a kiss. I said, no, we don't do that on first date. <laughs> and then he, he said, well, how about a phone number? So uh, I thought, oh, geez, I thought I was getting rid of this guy. <laughs> so I gave him the phone number. Yeah. Thought, well, you know, that's, that's pretty innocent. So he called me up the very next day and wanted to uh, see me again. And I said, no. And he said, <laughs> he said, why? Why don't you, you know, what, what's wrong with me? I said, well, there's not a whole lot wrong with you. The problem is me didn't you ever think that I might have another date? He went, oh, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> well, I do. <laughs> but uh, true, that's, uh, that's good. <laughs> it was an interesting first start, but truth be known, he um, was looking years later, of course, when he came to know the Lord, he finally, of course, told me the whole truth. And of course, I suspected this was the truth, that he really needed a green card, and I was it. And uh, so when he gives his yeah. money from the stage, he always says, this is the most beautiful green card you've ever seen. So <laughs> but that is the truth. He, uh, he, he married me for a green card, and in those days, it only took three years. And after three years, you could be full citizen in the United States. So there yeah. was some coming for that at that time. And uh, so there wasn't a whole lot of talk about it, especially in the middle Midwest, because it didn't normally get all the way to here. But, <laughs> but they, uh, yeah. they were coming as students, and that was a big warning to, to women in, in the universities. So. Mm -hmm. so anyway, we got married six months later, and... Uh, We've been 47 years married, but we were 19 years married, him as a Muslim and me as a, as a Catholic girl, when the Lord finally met him, so <laughs> called him, and, uh, and supernaturally, uh, one day he uh, had a friend in the restaurant he was working in on the plaza, and this man had been his customer for 19 years. He'd known him for 19 years, as long as he'd known me. And uh, one day this man, <laughs> they were trying to look, they were looking for a place to put this restaurant. He was going to buy it. And Charlie, this man who led him to the Lord, this uh, restaurant, um, um, his oh, client. No. Restaurant. Yeah. Oh. He didn't own okay. the restaurant yet, but he owned another yeah. corporation. And he was pretty rich. And I know Tess was, he was enamored by anybody who was rich and famous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was, in those days, that was his God. He was, he was following uh, after, you know, he wanted that tree that had the money hanging off of it that they talk about in 
the United States, but um, he was fine after that. So he was trying, they were trying to find a place to put this restaurant and um, he suggested, Charlie suggested to him a, a, a building that he had seen and then Nass had seen it too. He mm -hmm. said, Charlie, I, I just saw that place. I went in there and it gave me the creeps. He, he, because this place used to be, I, um, it was called the, uh, the villa at that time, but before it was the villa, it was a funeral home. And he said, Charlie, this, I went in there and I had to run out. It gave me the creeps. There were creeps all over the place. And Charlie just laughed. And he said, Tass, do you know why you felt that way? He said, no, I, you know, I don't know. He said, it's because you don't have the fear of God in you. And Charlie had about God for him to say that was pretty bold. And he looked at Charlie, he said, What do you mean? I'm a good Muslim, I fear God. And he goes, No, you don't, or you wouldn't have felt that way. But that's okay. It's it's all right, because I've got connections, and he pointed to the sky. <laughs> and they laughed, and Tass left the table. So this word connections started rolling around in his mind and he could not literally, Michelle, he was up in the middle of the night, he could not sleep. And I thought, this is crazy. So a week, two weeks later, Charlie comes back to the restaurant and Tass runs over to his table, takes his hand and he kneels beside him and he says, Charlie, you have got to tell me what this connection is. I can't sleep, I can't eat, he goes, Tass, get up off the floor. The business is busy tonight. You can't do this here. We can't do this here. Yeah. And it was a Saturday night and he said, call me tomorrow. Why don't you call me about one o'clock tomorrow? And it was, of course, Sunday. So uh, he said, okay. He says, but you, we can't do this here. So he got his answer. So he left the table, called him the next day at one o'clock. And he said, Charlie, I, I'm so upset. I'm so flustered. I, I don't know what, I, tell me about this connection. He said, well, I can't do this over the phone. Let me come get you. So he did. Took him back to his house. Mm -hmm. And on the way into the, his house, he said, he stops before he gets to the front door. And they're walking up the walk. And he says, Tess, to have the peace I have, you must love a Jew. Now, Charlie knew everything about him. He knew he was a Palestinian. He knew he had been in the PLO. He knew he was a sniper right. for Arafat. And he knew how much he hated Jews. And to tell yeah. him that was so bold to say it in those terms. Of course, he was talking about Jesus at that time. Yeah. But yeah. So they walked in the house. Oh. He said, Charlie, you know that. What are you talking about? He says, well, he says, give me a chance. He says, what do you know about Jesus? And he said, well, I know Jesus. He's a prophet and he's highly favored in our religion. And he says, well, he's more than that. He says, well, what is he? He says, well, he's God. He's the son of God. He didn't mince his words. He didn't, you know, use, use his own opinion or anything else. He just said the truth. And Tass then decided this this was it he said charlie that's blasphemous that's it i'm leaving first you tell me i have to love a jew and now you tell me that jesus is the son of god that's it i'm out of here and he started towards the door he was mad at him 
And Charlie said, wait a minute, wait a minute, it's an accident. Oh, yeah. So he did. And he says, well, um, he went and got a Bible and it, it was in a box. It was a brand new Bible. He took it out and you know how the pages of a Bible can be very thin. And he opened yes. up this gold on the side, leather bound Bible and he opened it up and he said, how about if you don't believe me, how about listen to the word of God and see what it says about, about uh, Jesus. He said, okay. So he opened it up and he, he said he stopped for a minute and he smiled. He was like this wanting to turn a page, but he didn't turn the page. He just smiled at it and he started reading. And when he read, he said, he read in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God in the beginning. He started reading from John 1, 1. And at that moment, he said, I didn't hear anything else. I started to physically shake like I, my hand was in a light socket, is what Charlie described later on. And he lost consciousness. He, he Tess says, I have no idea what happened that next. Wow. And at that moment, Charlie later told him that something lifted him up off the sofa put him down on his knees and his hands were lifted up and he came to said, I came to speaking another language and praising the Lord and asking him to come into my life. Now Tass later on after wow. telling the story said, I was speaking to a light who was saying, I am Jesus. And so he instantly believed. When he came to, he looked at Charlie and Charlie's eyes were just big and he was crying, weeping. And he said, oh, what's the matter? And he says, I don't know. I don't know what just happened to you, but I like it. I, I have no idea what happened. He goes, he says, well, if he says, do you know what happened? He says, he said, are you okay? And he says, I'm fine. I just, I don't know what happened. <laughs> and he looked at Charlie and he, he said, uh, he said, Charlie said to him, he said, do you know what just happened to you? He said, well, you were speaking in a language I couldn't understand. And he says, no, he says, I think you became a Christian. I think you, he says, well, my, I feel like this weight, this huge weight is off my shoulders. <laughs> and Charlie said, that's it. Wow. And so they, of course, hugged each other, laughed, talked a little more about it. And then Charlie prayed over him and they left. He came back to the restaurant where we were madly trying to put things, uh, load things up to help the owners get out of the restaurant because they, the next day they were going to lock it. The landlords were going to lock it and not let them in. So they needed to get out. And uh, so it was all hands on deck. <laughs> so they came back and that was uh, Michelle. I had heard about Charlie for 19 years from Tass. He would come home every once in a while and say, you got to meet this guy. He, he sounds like Baptist minister. <laughs> I laugh at him. And uh, he says, what do you mean? <laughs> well, you know, he, he just sounds like a, you know, he has this, he, he would, uh, of course, try and mimic him. <laughs> it would come out so funny. But uh, that's the day I met Charlie Shaw. 
He walked in the door. I'd heard about him for 19 years and never met him before, but he had the most welcoming and beautiful big smile on his face. So anything that Tass would tell me from then on about the experience, I had to believe. I mean, he just exuded the Lord. <laughs> Jesus, yes. You know, Karen, you have shared a lot and I really appreciate all the details and how you've illustrated this um, change in your husband and how the Lord worked in, um, you know, I, I, you know, you didn't share too much about kind of the bumpy road with him prior to him, you know, becoming a Christian. But can you just share a little bit how difficult it was before mm -hmm. he became a Christian and then the change in the relationship after um, mm -hmm. for the listeners? Well, I have to let you know, too, the end of that story is he did really, it was an immediate change. And so it was really hard for me to take because for 19 years, um, it was very rocky. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, three years previous to that, he had decided that um, his job who, that he put everything into was moving him to California and that he didn't want me or my, our kids coming with him. Okay. He decided to leave. He left us for a, about a year and a half. Oh. And that was a really dark time for me because I was looking at the Lord going, wait a minute, I thought I did this all right, Lord. You know, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I thought this was, you know, my happy ending. <laughs> we were going to, you know, have a happy ending. But I knew for sure it wasn't going to have a happy ending. I mean, you know how you, you know something, but you want to keep yourself blind to it. And I did for many yes. years. I still prayed that God would do work in his life and our life would be different. And so when he left, I really started praying. And um, mm -hmm. our our uh, relationship was very hard. He, he really, of course, did not understand and did not take because when you're married to a Muslim, you are more like his property. And so mm -hmm. all of your, all of your own thoughts about marriage or your own, that goes away. He doesn't consider that mm -hmm. at all. So, and because that's really the way they're taught about it. That he won't come home and share about his his friends or his um, his job or anything else. That's not your job to him. That's for someone else. But you're you're to be his servant and his baby maker. <laughs> and by the way, mm -hmm. the children belong to him. They don't belong to you. So so they are considered whether or not they ever take him into inside a mosque. They're considered Muslim. They're born into a Muslim family. So he considered my, my children, our children, both Muslims. Now, because he always had a, and this is different only, you know, to my life, he always mm -hmm. had a plan to leave. He never really did um, open up and really get to, to know his kids or really get to know me. We were one part of his life and he led a different life on the other side. So he kind of had two lives going on at the same time. Yeah. For 19 years. So you so, can 
from that you from can difficult it was <laughs> but when yes. he, god yes. got me aside and said um he gave me a dream one night and i in the dream tass died because i had been talking to the lord and saying lord just kill him i've been praying just killing because at least I would have the insurance money and I wouldn't have to work three jobs to keep my kids and me alive. <laughs> I was in, I was in pain and misery. And I was glad of course, when the Lord didn't answer that prayer, but that's how desperate I was. And he <laughs> me to dream one night and I woke up oh, wow. crying, physically crying. And in the back of my head, I heard a voice say, yeah, see, you do still love him. And I knew it was God because I never remember my dreams. And so I thought, okay, Lord, I draw a line in the sand. I will not divorce this man. He'll have to divorce me. And he never did. And I don't know why. <laughs> but he never did. Because, uh, and within a year and a half, God made his life so uh, miserable on the other side where he was in California that he had to look back and he came back and that's when he's really started working on him too and so the both of us yeah. i mean my faith soared then and he was coming up and then that encounter with charlie happened at the time that he came back he was so low he admitted later on that he considered suicide during that time because he couldn't get a job he could i had to work three jobs so that we could live and we lived in a two bedroom place. So my daughter and my son had to be in the same bedroom and they were teenagers and it was not good. It was not a good, it was a really hard life. But uh, God yeah. was there, God, but God. <laughs> and yes. uh, I could go on and wow. on. God's story, how he kept us, but it was amazing. Well, I think what you've shared is so profound and it, it just really illustrates the power of Jesus Christ. And when we make a decision and walk in his obedience, he is so faithful. And he, yes. you know, looking at your family today, such a beautiful family and what God has done with his life and your life and their lives and your grandchildren. I mean, it is just an attestment of Jesus Christ and what he does in the, our lives, you we know? So, so much. This, this is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, the culture, the Muslim culture and the way that Muslim men operate, you're, you're depicting that. I mean, you've seen all types of abuse that happens and, you know, how that transpires even in America in mixed cultural marriages, like this and so i really think your story is just powerful and profound and i thank you again for being willing to share it so publicly and listening today he may be struggling you know maybe in their marriage like this maybe it isn't to a muslim um man or a man of a different culture maybe it's just they're struggling you know their husband's unfaithful or you know, there's abuse, there's all kinds of things. Um, and there are Christian, Christian women, you know, a lot of times women will be married to a non-believer. They get married 
they're not believers, then they become a Christian, you know, and then unfortunately, you know, the, the husband doesn't come along, but what, what words of, of encouragement would you have for, for a woman who may be going through this? The biggest advice really I can give, um, and the best, the, the lesson that I learned that number one, I'm not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I can't really uh, change my husband. I need God for that. And um, he, he, of course, can be, God can do anything. He doesn't necessarily have to be a Christian in order for God to move him towards himself, of course. So, and that's what he did. He really did that for me because I asked him to, because I said, Lord, I don't want, I don't want this kind of life. I refuse to divorce. I know your heart is not for divorce. And so I want to do it your way. And the moment I said that, that's when he went on the road, but you have to be committed. You have to be committed to, to tell God, I'll listen. I'll be your student. I'll do what you say, not, and you can't change your husband. So you have to kind of leave him into God's hands and you have to work on you. You have to dedicate your life to listening to God for him, because if he's not listening, then you've got to do it for him because you see Jesus and God, they look at us when we're married, whether we're married to a believer and we're a believer, mm -hmm. that's wonderful. But whether we're married to a believer and he's not a believer, I mean, whether we're married to someone who is not a believer, he still views us as one being. Now he looks at us as a couple, as two people separately mm -hmm. that he needs to minister to, mm -hmm. but now we're together in him. And if he doesn't have him, you at least need to have him. So this can happen and we can all be one. There's no, a a cord of three strands will exist will be strong but unless you have god there's no way you can really have a successful marriage marriage is his invention it's not man's invention man would not be married if and i'm talking about man as a whole women and men would not be married if you left it up to them if you left it up to the world they would not be married we see that right Marriage is mm -hmm. God's intention to, I had this one uh, lesson on marriage one time, the, pa the man who was teaching it said, what if, what if we get married? What if marriage is for our holiness, not our happiness? And I went, oh, there it is right there. That is what God was trying to show me. My marriage is for my holiness, not my happiness. The one who makes me happy is him, not him. <laughs> so if you look right, if you look to God for all your expectations of what you want in him yes. as a as a, a husband, believe me. Love that. Love that. <laughs> and they have still working out some things in in, uh, in us together. And uh, we are still drawing closer, but um, yes, people used to ask me as, you know, we've gone all over the world and spoken. 
And people used to come up to me after Pass would give his testimony and ask, especially women, but in the end it was more men. And they would say, how in the world did you stay? How did you stay? And I would say, only the grace of God, because I was looking at God, not at my husband. I was looking at God to give me answers, not my husband. And he was giving me the grace because his grace is sufficient for everything, everything you need. If you will believe that in your heart and take it in and actually live it out, God will come in and reconcile and change and restore your marriage. But you have to really give it your all. <laughs> you got to show the Lord you mean business. Just like he means business. His word is final. His word is real. He will have his plan. <laughs> and he has been unfolding that in your marriage and in your life and in Tassa's life. So, you know, thank you, Karen, again. Um, I wanted to share with everyone, you know, definitely this Karen's um, episode here will be up on our website. We'll have all of the information about her ministry and about ways to contact her and, you know, just other information um, that is what she has shared. And I, again, want to thank all of you for taking the opportunity to tune into this podcast uh, today, this live interview. Um, it's so encouraging, again, Karen, to hear what God has done and how he's working and continuing to work in your life um, and in Tessa's life. And, you know, he's an author and he's doing all these wonderful things too. Um, so thank you. Thank you again, Karen. And until the next show, friends, be heard and be healed. Amen. Altered Stories Ministry is a faith-based, nonprofit, and women's evangelistic storytelling ministry located in Overland Park, Kansas. If you enjoyed listening to today's story, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of women all over the world, too. So please, subscribe to our show and share the link to this podcast. Share it on your social media. We also welcome your valued feedback on our stories. Also, we'd appreciate your prayerful consideration in sponsoring one of our future God-glorifying stories and welcome your tax-exempt financial donation. To find out more on how you can support our ministry, you can log on to our website at www.alteredstories.org.